From WBEZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Jennifer Shea Love Long here with Taylor Coward. Cheryl's out sick today. Feel better soon, Cheryl. We miss you, girl. And uh, today, we're going to get into what we're doing right now. We're going to talk about the importance of black women telling black women's stories. And the responsibility of that. It is a responsibility. A big one. Huge. So we're sharing voices of some amazing black women in media. Each of them has a story about the moment that they realize their voice matters. I was removing myself from a decision that more than anything needed my perspective as a black woman. About breaking through the traditional white media landscape and about unapologetically speaking up for black women. It showed me what I must do, not just to talk about the injustice. You got to take a stand. That's coming up. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. What does it mean for you now on this podcast or ever in your media background to tell the stories of Black women? I think it's a huge responsibility. And the ability to just have space to do it yep. is pretty, pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have a great example of this from Tracy Brown. She's the chief content officer at WBEZ, and she's actually responsible for this show getting created. And recently, we were all at this event celebrating black women in media, and Tracy told this story. Tonight takes me back to when I was 24 years old. I was working in Columbia, South Carolina as a night reporter. And I remember it was a Sunday night, and I was covering what ended up being a pretty horrific murder. A a young woman's husband, who was on drugs, had stabbed her mother to death while he was trying to rob her. And I ended up having the next day to go to the press conference, to cover the press conference. I was 24 years old, which is the exact age that my daughter is. And I was at this press conference, and the DA had decided that they were going to seek the death penalty against this young man. And his wife was supportive of it. And we were at the press conference, and everybody was trying to get this young woman who was African-American, was trying to get her to answer their questions. She would not open her mouth. All the reporters, a bunch of TV reporters, and she wouldn't open her mouth. And then I was pretty shy, but I was just like, you know, I'm newspaper, all these TV people. And I I raised my hand, and I asked her a question, and she answered it. And everybody's like, okay, she's going to talk now. And so they started asking her questions again, and she would not answer their questions. And I asked, asked her another question, and she answered it. And then they realized she was only going to answer my questions. So the other reporters started, like, handing me slips of paper, <laughs> like, can you, can you ask her, you know, whatever. And fast forward, a couple of years later, I was called for jury duty, and one of the things we always like to say as journalists, nobody's ever going to call us. So I'm at this jury, I'm in, I'm in uh, where they're making the selections, 
And I see it was a it was a you know pretty horrific case. And I see another a young black woman who again was about my age, and I saw her lean over to her attorney, and she pointed at me, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna be on this jury because she you know I'm the person she's like pick. I saw her say pick her, and it wasn't until years later that I kind of put those two things together that there were two women on the opposite ends of the judicial system that pointed me out and that they pointed me out because they trusted me with their story. And that is something that I have always tried to honor, that when people see me or they see us, they have a certain expectation and responsibility. And I always try to remember that. And there have been times where I have not lived up to that. And but I do try to honor it. Mm. Wow. Wow. What do you think about that, Taylor? The pressure and the the burden that she felt, even though she was so young at the time, just witnessing that, oh, this woman is only going to answer to me Mm. and already having that pressure as a 20. Not not I don't think pressure is the right word. That responsibility Mm -hmm. as a 24 year old. Um, And it also made me think about. I kind of wanted to know, what did she ask her? Yeah, Maybe it was, you know, Tracy's question that she was just like, all right, I, I know that this is someone that I can trust. Yeah, And so I just, that's just such a impactful story. You know, I had three words come to my mind, language, trust, and validation. Mm. And it was like, in this woman's mind, in both instances, it was like, you see me. And when you see me, you're going to see the nuance of me. Like you're not going to stereotype me. Mm -hmm. You're going to actually look deeper than the color of my skin. You're going to actually see me in a way that is more nuanced, that you will tell my story Mm -hmm. in a way that is truly aligned with what it is that I'm trying to convey. Yep. Was there a time that you felt seen by another black woman and it just like kind of had that same impact on you that maybe Tracy had or a similar one? Yeah, actually pretty recently. So the other day at the launch party, I wore this dress. (laughs) 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 And I opened the package to the dress uh, in the hotel room and literally the dress had a security tag on it. (laughs) All night I walked around with my hand on my dress. But anyway, (laughs) um, So I just recently was able to take the dress back to the store and ask them to please remove the the tag from the dress. And I walk up to the counter, and there's a black woman there and a white woman there. And I happen to go up to the side where the white woman was. And I explained to her the situation. I said, yeah, you know, I actually purchased this dress online, and I had to wear it to an event. I had to wear it to the event with the tag on it. And so um, she asked me to provide her with a receipt, which I did not have the receipt. And so I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can look through my email and see if I can find the receipt. So I'm standing there looking through the email. You know, one solution was, hey, maybe you could use your credit card you used for the purchase. Well, I bought the dress in January, so I don't remember which credit card I used, but I stuck in multiple credit cards. And all along, this woman saying, hey, you know, do you have the app? And I'm like, no. And so it's 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 making me feel like I've stolen something. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, when in actuality, I've been inconvenienced, mm-hmm. right? And so finally, the woman, uh, the black woman behind the counter was like, oh, you know what? Let me see if I can help you come up with another solution. So she comes over and she asks me, she says, hey, you know, what's your cell phone number? Which is typically what they ask if you are, you know, if you shop at this particular place. And so I gave her my cell phone number and she pulls up my account and she sees that I've, you know, purchased this dress. Mm -hmm. Right. And she goes, you know. I just want to let you know, I saw what was happening there. I saw what was happening. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for even just seeing what is happening and validating me. And so when I think about space, I think about seeing people, seeing them have these experiences and these things happen to them, even in instances when you're not expecting them to happen to you for reasons that you're not expecting them to happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's about hearing you. And validating you and making you feel like you you have a space. At this same event, we were really honoring six amazing black women in media. We heard from the co-creator of a new site here in Chicago called The Tribe. Their whole thing is about reshaping the narrative of black Chicago. Her name's Morgan Elise Johnson. And Taylor asked her this question. Can you... Speak to the weight and the responsibility of telling our stories and, most importantly, telling them accurately. Absolutely. So the tribe, we really see ourselves as an organization that's following in the revolutionary tradition of, you know, journalists like Ida B. Wells, you know, where we are speaking truth to power. Um, So we came on to the scene Um, completely rejecting the journalistic notion of, you know, quote-unquote objectivity and saying we're bringing our full self to this work and we have a very clear mission to reshape the narrative. So, you know, basically we're here for black people, okay? And we're unapologetic about it. For the tribe, we didn't come from a legacy or a foundation. We really started from scratch. No investors, no anything It was just passion, literally. It was like we cannot take our people being represented in this way. Um, So we bought a URL for $2.99, and that's why we're the tribe with two eyes and not one. (laughs) That one eye was a little bit too expensive, okay? (laughs) So $2.99 got us the tribe with two eyes. And um, and then we just worked because we had the skills. I think it was Toni Morrison who said that racism is like so disruptive because it kind of like stops you from being able to live. For us in this millennial movement who are activism minded and felt like we needed to respond to this moment, the movement for black lives, we stopped everything. We stopped our dreams and everything to respond to this moment. And we, somehow we made it off of that passion and that drive. We're, we're six years old now, and we're always just like, how did we make it? <laughs> how did we make it? Um, and uh, we got to buy some new clothes. That's why I'm fly today. Yeah. <laughs> she was fly, too. Yeah, she looked great. She looked so great. I love when she was like, that's why we got two eyes in the tribe. Because <laughs> that was a little cheaper. And I think that you know, that's definitely someone I would trust with my story, someone that knows struggle and someone who 
like she said, is speaking truth to power mm-hmm. and is still coming up herself. That's just somebody I'd want to go after to to be seen by. Mm-hmm. You know, that comes from the heart when you when you put your all into it and you are really just being driven by by your passion. Yep. Like, I'm going to do this thing because I know it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the way in which black voices should be represented should be much broader and mm-hmm. more diverse and more nuanced. And so I really, I admire them for doing that. Yep. A common thread, just like in the story we're about to hear, is having no selfishness Mm -hmm. because you are doing this work to tell the stories of other people, not about yourself. And you have to put aside a lot of personal things and Mm -hmm. whether that be financial or shyness like Tracy had and just stepping out so you can do this important work. So as I was talking about not having selfishness, we got to talk with another Chicago media legend, um, Mary Mitchell. She is a longtime columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, and she's a big deal around here. And I asked Ms. Mitchell if there was a time when she took a risk to stand up for black women. And this story has to do with the Department of Children and Family Services, DCFS, here in Illinois. So the year is 2000, (laughs) and Tina Allison was an impoverished, recovering drug addict who was trying to regain custody of her son. When I got that story, because the grandmother of of the baby called me and said, you need to know about this. I had only been in the newsroom for about five years. I was a greenie. I went over and talked to Tina Allison. She showed me all the things she had done, all the documents. Everything was backed up. All the certificates she had got. Everything she had done to get this black child back to her. But the DCFS would not let her have him. And nobody was telling that story. And so I started to tell that story. I began to write columns about that story. And my editor-in-chief was livid. He started telling me about how terrible it is that, you know, a mother would do that to their child by taking drugs. And, you know, how could you have sympathy for this mother? You should be proud that somebody else took it. I was like, no, 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 no. This is a black woman who did everything they told her to do to get her son back. And then they still would not give her her son. So it became a thing between me and my editor-in-chief. He had one that appointed me to the editorial board. You know, he had great plans for my career. But I decided at that point that I had to take a stand. And I continued to write about Baby T. And in the end, we didn't win. There was no win. I mean, she lost her son. But it showed me what I must do. And that is not just to... Talk about the injustice. You got to take a stand. You got to stand on a, You got to stand up and say, this is not right, and I am not going to stand by and let it happen without having a say-so. Wow. Yeah. 
going against her editor in chief, you know, putting her career on the line in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said she took a stand and it was important for her to have a say so. Uh, what did you think of all that? I, I love her gusto. Yes. That she just really was like, I'm standing for this thing and I believe in this. And regardless of what role I serve mm-hmm. or what job I have, I'm going to speak the truth. Yep. And knowing that you have the platform to do it, but also that you're willing to risk everything in order to tell the right story and to tell the truth. Especially as someone just coming up. Right. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience like that? Many. I, You know, I, I have a hard time following rules. Okay. And not in a way it, that makes me combative, but just... I'm always looking for the loopholes. Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> what's my workaround here? <laughs> and, I, and also what I find, too, and I'm sure just in hearing Miss um, Mitchell's story is that's what makes you stand out. But it also gives people around you the courage to do the right thing, too. Yep. And she probably, without knowing, forced other people to hold a lot of situations accountable yeah. as a columnist. Yeah. Okay, Taylor, there's more to come, though. We've got more stories after the break. I can't wait. I know, right? Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. All right, we're back. So, you know what's interesting is sometimes we don't get it right. Yep. Sometimes we take ourselves out of situations when really we should be in the situation. Mm. And Tracy shares another story with us just about that. I mentioned earlier where sometimes I felt like I didn't get it right. And there was a time where I really felt for years I considered it the worst day of my career. So um, there was a big story that we were covering um, in Atlanta. There were this big cheating going on in the public school district in Atlanta, which is predominantly black. And so we had broke this story that there were enough erasure marks where schools that had been at the bottom were now all the way at the top. So two years after we broke that story, they indicted maybe 30, 40 superintendents, school uh, principals, and teachers. And by that time, I was page one editor, which basically means like I get to decide what goes on the front page and how we present it. So I was page one editor that day, and they were literally, the superintendent was a black woman, so many of the principals and the, the teachers. And they hauled them down, and they took mugshots of them. And I'll never forget, um, the entire front page was this story. And throughout the day, as we were making the decisions about the story, there was something that wasn't really setting right with me. But, you know, as journalists, we're like, we're going to be objective and fair and, you know, set aside these little things to be able to to present this story. 
So the very next morning, I wake up, got my paper, you know, from my doorstep, and um, I, it broke my heart what I saw. It was 40 people who were educators that we had displayed with mugshots that made them look like common criminals. And with newspapers, you can't take it back. It's one thing if it's online and you can make some changes or whatever. I could not take that back. And I was page one editor, and I, I did that. And I thought, it made me sad. And so that same day, I went to the, they were having a leader, Cox Media Group was having a leadership all-day training. And they rolled out the new slogan for Cox Media Group. And it said, be yourself, make us better. And I thought, had that been one day earlier? And what I realized, though, was that I was removing myself from a decision that more than anything needed my perspective as a black woman. And it doesn't make me think about those two young women who I was talking about earlier. Like, they aren't the only ones who trust me with their stories. Those women in APS trusted me with their story, too. And so I always, so there is a weight of responsibility that comes with that. Wow. I can't say wow after every story, but wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking about Tracy's level of compassion mm-hmm. and emotional intelligence. Um, and maybe people just see that in her. And it's why the women in, the woman in the first story wanted to answer her questions because when she saw that cover, she saw something that I don't think a lot of other people would have had the same feeling that she had. She said, I have these people displayed like they're criminals, Mm -hmm. all these black school educators and leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think everybody would have had that thought. I think they would have looked at it and said, another day's work. Mm -hmm. You know, I got, I got a cover up. That was my job. She took it a step further, and she said that journalists are objective, they're fair, and they set things aside to tell a story. But I think that bringing in a level of compassion and emotional intelligence like Tracy does is so inspiring to hear. And for her, it's a personal hit, but for me, it's very inspiring that she took a hard moment and she learned from it. And at the end of the day, she still was being a compassionate person. I agree with you. In terms of black women telling our stories, what do you think are some things that are improving? And maybe what are some things that you'd still like to see change or improve? Well, from my lens, I think things are improving. You know, I think about the stories I saw growing up. They tended to be very similar similar narrative, similar kind of voice telling that story. Mm-hmm. And now it's really refreshing to see a breadth of stories about black different kinds of black women doing different kinds of things. I think even, you know, in even in a space like podcasting, you know, there's so many different voices that have a unique perspective that is very different, mm-hmm. you know. It's not all about trauma with us. Right. You it doesn't always have to be Like the story that Tracy told at the beginning was so heavy. Mm -hmm. There was a homicide. Mm -hmm. There was capital punishment involved. And those aren't always our stories. Mm -hmm. When they are our stories, it's important that we have the space to tell them ourselves and authentically. 
But I also love that we're moving into an era where there's space for us to just talk about our hair and talk about what we like to eat and what we like to do. And those women that we all got to hear are those people that paved the way for us to get here. a good spot to end. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go, we've got to shout out everybody who made this event happen. Keisha Daniels Rush, everybody at Taste 222 in downtown Chicago, Dave Miska and Elizabeth Cambridge here at WBEZ, and last but not least, Elizabeth Thompson and the CAFE Group. That's the organization that honored six amazing Black women leaders in the media here in Chicago. Those ladies were Melody Span Cooper of Midway Broadcast Corporation, Morgan Elise Johnson and Tiffany Walden at The Tribe, Mary Mitchell of The Sun-Times, Rochelle Bishop-Sleets of Newsday and formerly The Chicago Tribune, and our very own Tracy Brown at WBEZ. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Oh, and we want to add you to the group chat. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Tell us what you want to hear on the show. Email us. Send us a voice memo. We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Our associate producer is Elizabeth Cambridge. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Editing by Justin Bull. Engineering by Dave Miska and Haley Bloomquist. See y'all next week. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.